Welcome to another episode of the Local Podcast, a podcast about all things local, brought to you by the Wiregrass Local and Bar Media. I think, yeah, episode 168 of the Local Podcast. Pam Miles, what are you doing? How is going? How's everything going? It's great. It's actually the very first day of Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month today. Hey, you know that? yeah. And April Fool's Day. And April Fool's Day, which, I mean... But child abuse is no joke. I was going to say, that is not <laughs> that is not part of the April Fool's right. uh, celebratory vibe. Right. Um, how is everything going in your world so far? It's been busy. It's been a busy year. You know, it's been a rough year for children and families and mm-hmm. I think just people in general. And so it's been, it's been nonstop busy and we are um, just working like crazy to... Um, ramp up our prevention programs so that we can just make sure that um, families are supported and children are safe and needs are met in the community. So Um, let's go back just a bit. Uh, You are from the exchange center from child abuse prevention. Yes. How did that get its name? What is what are you guys exchanging over there? <laughs> so um, bad attitudes for good ones. I, no, that's, I mean that's a good <laughs> bad parenting habits answer. for good ones. Um, so we are actually um, the Exchange Club, which is a national organization. Mm-hmm. Their mission is um, child abuse prevention. That's their national project. Oh, I gotcha. And so the local Dothan Exchange Club actually started a child abuse prevention center in 1978. Oh wow! Here in the Wiregrass, it was a club of all men. Mm-hmm. And they started seeing a lot of abuse stories in the papers, and they thought, you know, what would be great is if moms had a support group if the, when they felt stressed out and overwhelmed that they could meet together and talk and mm-hmm. just kind of build a network, a community of people, uh, like a support system. Which is kind of what the exchange club is in its own right. Exactly, exactly. And so they did that, and it's kind of grown from there. So what started off as Parents Anonymous has mm-hmm. evolved through the years and had many different names, and we finally landed on the Exchange Center in 2010 when I came on as the director. Gotcha. And that's because there's an accreditation process. You can either be a nonprofit that's just kind of floating mm-hmm. out there with not a lot of rules and boundaries, yeah. or you can create an accreditation process to where there's a lot of accountability and oversight built in. Rebs. And so in order to be able to do that, we um, became part of the National Exchange centers and so we can have that accreditation process and oversight for free and you've got backup infrastructure and you've got people to bounce ideas off and see what works in their market versus what would potentially work here exactly and it creates a nationwide kind of um networking system that's Mm -hmm. awesome yeah you can never have too many teammates you know exactly especially when it comes to child abuse prevention and you know this last year that has been really important because there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of things coming up that we don't know the answers to and so just to be able to bounce some ideas off of other people and to do the same kind of work we Mm -hmm. do in other areas has been great yeah it's always good to like know that you're on par with the other organizations that are that are doing the same mission right um it's just yeah it's kind of you need to while your mission is ahead of you, you still need to look left and right just to make sure everybody right. is still, we're still on the same road, right? Right, <laughs> like, right. And then sometimes just to commiserate with people, just like if it's yeah. been a really rough time and you're feeling overwhelmed with this, because this is really hard work. You know, we For work sure. with abuse survivors and we work with children that are at risk of abuse mm-hmm. and um, some very serious situations and we hear some really horrible things and sometimes it's just really nice, especially as an executive director, to have other directors to talk to and just kind of that process ex- through things with. They kind of mm-hmm. experience the same frustrations right. and... Um, right. Yeah, like and maybe have different methods of communication for... Right different kind of difficult personalities like myself <laughs> you can kind of drill down through right um 
So that's how it got started back in what year was it? 1978. Eight. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, who all do you know any of the founding members? Um, I don't think I know any of the founding members, but I do have several members who are still members of the Exchange Club, like Earl Durden. Yeah. Um, Bob Arnold. Yep. Um, Dr. Hand. He mm-hmm. used to um, be a pediatric dentist here. Yeah. All, all of those guys. Um, Ernie Hornsby. Okay. Um, they have been in the Exchange Club for gosh decades and been huge supporters of the center and help really provide a lot of the infrastructure and support for it and really what's kept our doors open for a lot of years um they do a thing called the drawdown to prevent child abuse oh yeah and um that that fundraiser in and of itself has kept our doors open many years that you is know. incredible yeah there's some there's a lot of good dudes in that group they asked so, me I don't know who had the lapse of judgment that decided that I need to be the guest speaker one week at their yeah. lunch yeah and I, I just went in there and like kind of I didn't really go into a lot of detail with a lot of what I do just because a lot of what I do is very technical and digital. And when you right. are talking to dudes that started an organization in 78, right. they may not be hip to the lingo. That <laughs> right, using. right. Um, <laughs> kind of glaze over. Yeah, yeah. And so I went in and I was talking about the local and why I feel like people need, people are always seeking refuge from horrible news Right. in my head. Like that's how I, I see the world is like, a lot of people just argue on Facebook or a lot of people are bickering with family about who they voted for or who they didn't vote for or why they like Alabama instead of Auburn or vice versa right. or whatever it is. Right. And I'm like, let's do a publication that only focuses on people coming together or people having fun or finding their new favorite things or yeah. let's try to squeeze the most out of life. Right. Instead of trying to that. choke life out. Right. I love that. <laughs> like, That's great. Yeah. It's um, it's definitely an uphill battle. <laughs> yeah. Because we all, I mean, obviously with everything, like with the pandemic and everything last right. year, mm-hmm. and that's still kind of going on now, like yeah. it's been, it's been a very trying time for a lot of families. Right. And I can tell like for my household, like it was a little weird for me because I had been, I'd had surgery and I was laying in bed for three mm-hmm. months. So yeah. I had that added weight in my head, like right. trying to navigate everything and still be productive right. from my bed, right. which is not how I operate at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm usually like the first one in the pool. You right. Know what I mean? All over like, the place. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get it. Like mm-hmm. we, there's something we can do. We need to, why are we talking about it? Right. We need to be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, being, being trapped at home. You start finding out things, and this actually didn't really happen in my household because me and my wife are best friends and have been since we got together. I mean, way before we got together too. Right. Um, but people start learning things, or you get you get that weird cabin fever. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where I don't know, maybe your wife uh, hums or whistles or something, or your spouse or whomever. Right. Like I don't know, cups on a table. I always had problems with that when I had roommates. Like, <laughs> why are all your dishes all in one spot instead right. of in the cabinet? Right. Um, but yeah, that wears on you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do something with that negative energy, yeah, it's going to come out eventually. Yeah. And then you also put parents in the situation of like homeschooling their children. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from a parenting perspective, like you can get your children to do a lot of things, but mm-hmm. to sit down a lot of times and focus and, and learn things that you don't even know that well yourself, mm-hmm. and that can be really, really frustrating and stressful, you know, and especially if you're not used to that, yeah, you know, it can be hard and, and kids are going to do things for their teachers that they maybe won't do for you. Oh, 100%. And so it makes it a lot harder. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons I actually have an office. It's because if I am home, mm-hmm. 
there's so many things that I can do there yes. that are non-productive. Fun things, yeah. And I mean, I I live, I mean, even my office life is a pretty fun place. Like we've right. got drums in the conference room, so it's right. not like a stuffy, dry office necessarily. Yeah. But there is exponentially more focus going on within these walls than there are at home. Right, um, right. And yeah, my wife being a teacher too, um, of pre-K students. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying to zoom class yeah, for four-year-olds. Yeah, not the same. Yeah, it's uh. When the extra energy that takes for her, because you've got to bring it. For you sure. Know, like you yeah, have yeah. to really you be are a lot talk of energy. Show host. Yeah, you are, and you to hold their attention mm-hmm. and and not be there in person. You have to have like a whole other level of energy. Yeah, you can get some puppets or something. You do. Yeah. That's kind yeah. Of- it's and you've got to do a lot of planning because it's outside of your norm. So yep. it's just really, I think it's taxed everybody to mm-hmm. try to get outside the box and think of really creative ways to engage and connect. And and then when you're stressed because you are missing all of those things, those social yeah. things that you get that give you relaxation Ooh. and bring you joy. And You start going down that yeah. lonely desperation road and you're yeah. like, what am I even doing? Yeah, too much time to think. And then there's yeah. fear because, you know, people's, you know, jobs are changing and mm-hmm. things are changing and there's medical risks and medically fragile people. And, and everybody's glued to the news. Yeah. And you're just getting spoon fed yeah. anxiety, basically. Yeah. So thank God for the local to give us some good happy news, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that was all patting myself on the back. That's not what I meant to do. Um, but yeah, but it's one of those things where, like, I listen to a lot of the same music, but, you know, you got to change the record every yeah. now and again. Exactly. And so that's what we try to do with everything that we do. Right. Um, but with your project in particular, like, I'm drawn to anything to help kids. Right. Like I had kind of a, I won't say, I'll say questionable upbringing. <laughs> um, but it was, I don't know. You, When you're old and you look back on it, you wonder like how much of this was I asking for versus like, was this just how it was going to be regardless? Right. And so like, uh, I'll just say I was a bad kid. That's that's kind of the synopsis of everything. I don't know if the behavior came before or after right. some of the issues that I was having, but I don't know. Um, but because I was a very uh, wily kid, we'll put it that way, um, having a place of safety or having a sense of safety was something that I didn't have a lot of. Right. And so anything that we can do on the locals end to like – advocate for safety for children or even just enrichment programs to help them better themselves right because they don't need they don't necessarily know that they need to be sharpening themselves up at that age like Mm -hmm. from you know they're just going to school and they think it's just because they need to learn how to obey other people or communicate and like interpret and they're just not really self-driven to even know yeah. what what needs they have or what skills they mm-hmm. need to have or what they're lacking even sure and I think one of the things that we've really pushed and we, we tried to launch this year and even despite COVID we were able to really accomplish a lot more than I thought we was is to create a trauma-informed community yeah and so the, the the thing behind that is to look at the behaviors of kids that we see like you said you were a wily kid yeah but to look beneath those behaviors instead of being so quick sometimes as adults we can be really quick to write kids off mm-hmm. because they don't have a behavior that we perceive to be acceptable for sure 
And so we label them a bad kid or a, you know, that kid's going nowhere and you don't need to hang out with that kid or I'm not going to pour a lot of energy into mm-hmm. this kid in school when really we should be doing the opposite. We should be wrapping ourselves around those kids and we should really be loving them unconditionally and we should be empowering them in every way that we can. And we should be looking for what are the skill deficits that they have that they really need to be successful in life and to meet their fullest potential. Because as a, as a society, as a community, we should want every child to meet their fullest potential. Absolutely. Because we're going to be in this society with them, you know, and, and, we, and, and our kids. Are yeah, those are going to be our doctors and That's our lawyers right. one day. That's right. That's right. And so if we want to really look at all the social issues that we have in our world, like with the drug issues and, you know, imprisonment and crime and, I mean, just all kinds of people, you know, um, unemployment even, you know, sure. a lot of times people don't get displaced from a job because they're not able to do the job, the technical part of it. It's because they can't get along with their coworkers. Yeah. Or they can't get along with their boss. That they can't take constructive criticism. That's so a- just really looking behind those behaviors to see what are the skill deficits they have so that I can build those up. And and in order to create any kind of change to teach any child to get them to learn, I'm sure your wife will tell you this too, is it starts with having that relationship. Yeah. Because you got to know what motivates them. You, you got to showcase, like, you got to praise the good. Right. And reroute the bad. Right. And engage with them. Because if I like you, I'm doing anything oh, for yeah, you. Oh, yeah, dude. We're you homies. Know? Yeah. Like, that's how it works. But if I don't like you, you're not going to create, you're not going to motivate me to change. No. Mm-hmm. My, um... My brand of mischief was literally just anything for, it was kind of attention at first. And then I realized like I had moved here from out of state Mm -hmm. and my dad was back home in New York. And so at a certain point I was just like, I wonder if I do enough crazy stuff, if they'll just send me back to New York. Right. And that's, that's what started it. And then when you get wrapped up in that, I mean the weird, and it sounds crazy to say this, but when you get into the like the underbelly of the school system, right. which there certainly is oh, one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and you get wrapped up with like all my peers that I was looking around were like, most of them were in gangs. Cause I was in like mm-hmm. alternative school for a long yeah. time and mm-hmm. that was normal. And then when you have that going on and you've already obviously checked in full time to the, the bad right. kid club and been labeled as oh, a bad yeah. kid. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of Teachers that are willing to stick their neck out because they believe in you. That's right. There's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's also not a lot of teachers that take the time to like right. pay attention to believe in you. Right. And because I was kind of a, a rough kid and like just, I mean, at a certain point I was kind of a nightmare, <laughs> but it all stemmed from like, this is the role that you've given me. Right. Yeah. And I'm just doing like i don't know what else there is and you don't for me know to how do. to pull off because, those labels yourself. no because you're the authority you've right. assigned this role to me right even though like i'm just out here confused right and instead of praising anything good right you only focus on the bad because you're right. waiting for the bad to happen right right um yeah which kind of gave me a real bad taste for authority right which yeah. turned into self-employment right <laughs> <laughs> but hey, you found your way. Yeah, and you that's, know, out of that's it. what I think a lot of people like. There's such a vacuum for hope for a lot of people yeah. mm-hmm. that, like, unless I don't know, like, I was always a kid that, like, it, I knew nobody was going to do anything for me. Right. Right. So if I wanted something, like, I had to figure out a way to obtain it. And, and you had that within you. And, and not all kids do. And, no. and And that's why that trauma-informed care training is so important. is because it talks about the research behind how adverse childhood experiences really affects children and their brain development and their yeah. growth. And, and it really can stunt them a lot of times in meet, meeting their fullest potential. It causes a lot of emo- emotional issues mm-hmm. to happen. And 
But even health-wise into adulthood, it can have a lot of bad effects and makes you more um, subjected, subject to um, alcoholism, drug addiction, yeah. crime, promiscuity, you know, all these things that are social issues that we're trying to address, but nobody wants to do the prevention part of things For sure. and build those strong homes and create those strong environments. And the research says that actually one caring adult in your life mm-hmm. can completely change your entire trajectory. Oh, yeah. And that can be a teacher. It can be a coach. It could be a neighbor. It could be anybody. But just having that one person to pour into you, yeah. you know, that that's really going to believe in you and see something in you that maybe nobody else has pointed out that you have and that's enough to inspire you to want to overcome because we like to get most people don't like a lot of negative attention we'll take that over in no attention sure but we really like it when somebody brags on us and tells Mm -hmm. us that we're good at something that makes us feel good about ourselves you know i know for me it turned around when i had an english teacher I was so bad in middle school, like really, really bad in middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I think most people that know me now would never believe how awful I was, but I was awful. And I had a high school teacher. Um, my dad was military, so we moved a lot. And um, so I was I was able to tear those labels off because nobody knew me. Yeah. Because I got a fresh yeah. start. And um, so I wrote this paper and the teacher was like, Pam, you are a really brilliant writer. Has anybody ever told you that? And I was like, well, no, they haven't. She said, I literally felt like I was in your pay, like I, I was in your life and I could feel everything. And I just imagine, you know, you mm-hmm. just were so good. And she said, I'm, I want to read this to the class. Is that okay with you? And I was like, and I remember thinking, God, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. And I decided that I wanted to be the smartest person in school. Sure. And I ended up skipping a year of high school, graduated pre- president of National Honor Get Society. And I was making straight D's in middle school. My parents thought that I was special they were just like well you know my sister if she got a's or b if she got a b that she was in trouble if i got c's my parents were like well i mean she's doing her best Mm -hmm. because they just that was their expectation of me yeah and um so really just it shows goes to believe that we get what we expect from kids for sure Mm -hmm. like with me it was it started out like i was getting into trouble just like mischief stuff and Mm -hmm. then it turned into like bullying because i wasn't hanging out with a bunch of kids that looked like me right and that was an issue for a lot of people Mm -hmm. And which all my experiences, like especially the negative ones, have all just turned me into like this right. dude that is like will stand up for anybody that doesn't have anybody to stand right. up for him. Right. And like I am the I'm pretty I grew up in a pretty rough scenario where like violence was not a stranger. Right. And right. for a long time I had I would jump on somebody at the drop of a hat. But I never like, I'm really good at talking smack to people. Right. Because it's fun and I'm. Yeah. You're witty. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm witty mm-hmm. enough to where I can have a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. But I don't do that. And like, I'd, I'd get close and I'd speak softer. Mm-hmm. And then before you know it, it's, it's, yeah, there's trouble. Right. Right. And when I was growing up, all that was so accessible for me as far as like being able to reach in there and pull this tool out that I had developed over the years Right. that now when I see, I saw, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm kind of trying to curb this behavior. Yeah. Cause if I see anybody treating a kid some way that I think is going to bum them out for a long time, yeah, I don't mind saying something Mm -hmm. and it's gotten it's almost escalated yeah. a couple times where yeah. it's like, what are you doing, man? Oh, I've been cussed out a few times at Walmart where I see, you know, a yeah. parent like slap a child upside their head. And I'm just like, you know, I, I don't hesitate to say, hey, you know, I try to say it in a nice way, but like, I'm still going to call DHR. Like, I literally just watched you hit your hit, your kid and, yeah. I, and I'm going to see something and say something. And that's what we all should do. Yeah. But sometimes I think parents think like that's the norm for them. 
If well, you were raised that way, yeah. you really don't think anything of, you know, calling your kids names, cussing at them, mm-hmm. slapping them, you know, those kinds of things, push them around because that's how you were raised. And so it's kind of foreign to some people we realize in the work that we do yeah. that, you know, we've even had people that like, I, I remember working with this one girl and she had extension cord scars all over her mm-hmm. arms and legs. And um, when I asked her if she was physically abused, she said no. Yeah. And I was like, well, you know, what, what happened? Can you tell me about those marks? Well, yeah, I used to get spanked with an extension cord, but it was only when I wasn't acting right. That's a that's not dude. That's yeah, that's gnarly. not spanking. That's abuse. <laughs> that's but pretty... but to her, that was not abuse. It was yeah. it was normal. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's so important what we do to break those cycles. Because why would you stop doing something that you don't see anything wrong with? Sure. And when we can when we can literally say like, hey, that is abusive. That you that's abuse that you went through. That's yeah. not discipline. And a lot of spouses go through it too, yeah. and they don't mm-hmm. ever say anything either right. because like. That's how mom and dad were. That's right. That's and right. That's, and you think that's normal. And so it's it's amazing what I've learned what people think is normal. And that's why the education component of things is so important because I've learned that when people know better, they really do tend to do better. Yeah. And and most people really want to be great parents for their kids. And I just think, you know, you can't effectively do prevention um, for child abuse without working with the parents. For sure. You you have got to. That's where it's at. And, and, and you know, you can say all kids need to be removed from every bad situation. But at the end of the day, I've almost never worked with kids that didn't want to be with their with parents. Their actual parents. They yeah. just want their parents to love them and to, for their parents to nurture them and for them to be safe with them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we really try to do, if possible, is make the home a, a safe, loving, nurturing environment where the child can thrive yeah. and give the parents the skills and the support system. And there's so much research that shows the five protective factors that prevent child abuse. You know, if, if we can do those effectively and build those into families, mm-hmm. then we truly can prevent child abuse and so that's what we try to do um i had actually my mother-in-law was in town last week and mm-hmm. she's a kids therapist basically mm-hmm. um and obviously she works with the parents as well right um and she was talking about one of the main things that kids want in a successful i don't know why it would be successful in a in a great family mm-hmm. The kids are just as concerned with how much the parents love each other mm-hmm. as they are whether they're loved the same. Right. And right. people don't realize the relationship between you and your spouse right. weighs heavy mm-hmm. on the kids. Like, yeah, they see everything. Right. And if listen, if you can be singing a rap song and like say some absurd nonsense and all of a sudden you hear it echoed in the back seat. Right. You don't think they're watching everything, right? Especially at the house. Like. I mean, they're so perceptive. I remember uh, my son, and he was like five years old, mm-hmm. and there was this person that I didn't really care for a lot. No reason not to like the person. Just you know, sometimes people just kind of yeah. take more energy from you than they give. You know, mm-hmm. and so it was one of those those people. And so, but I was always sweet to her, and every time she'd walk up to me, I'd call, I'd talk to her. But before sure. she would walk up, I would always kind of just take a deep breath, and I would just kind of brace myself because it just took so much energy yeah. from me. And um, so she came up, and we had a great conversation, and she left. And my son looked at me and said, "Mom, why don't you like her?" And I was like. What do you mean? I do. I do like her. What do you mean? And he said, well, every time you talk to her, you take a deep breath. And I was like, wow, you know, like that subtle change in my mood. And it's not even that I didn't like her. It's just that she really took a lot of energy to talk to, you know, and, um, and, and just that he picked up on that tells you like they, they don't miss 
anything That's, and it it affects them yeah you know and so you, you have to be really careful and i think loving um and treat and treating each other with respect is huge mm-hmm. for creating a good environment for your kids even if you don't stay married even if you can't be married to each other like sure. that's just not working out you can still treat each other in a respectful manner Absolutely. and so that the children don't question you know how you feel about them and your ability to come together for them yeah and those kinds of things are important but one of the biggest gifts i think my husband and i were able to give to our kids is that they grew up up seeing a healthy happy loving yeah marriage and and they both you know they're 18 and 20 now and they'll tell you um I you hope- guys are like and you're like Act like really close friends with your kids too. Yes, like we're very close. From, yeah. Yes, we get along great, and we all have a, a really good relationship, and we communicate really mm-hmm. well, and we have fun together. It's kind of cool having adult kids. I always thought I'd be sad when my babies grew up, oh, but having adult kids is kind of fun because now you can lining. be their friend. Yeah, yeah, you can you can really hang out with them and have deep conversations. And one of the things they'll say to us that I think is the biggest compliment is that I hope up to find a marriage like you and Dad have one day. Yeah, and my husband, my son will tell me if my wife if my wife isn't a bomb mom like you are, I'm going to be so mad. Like you know. Just don't wife her up. Yeah, yeah. He said, yeah. He said, I said, well, make sure you look for that. Think about that's uh, yeah. going to be the mother of your children, and mm-hmm. you know, is she prepared to to love them and nurture them, and you know, those kinds of things. But the fact that he thinks about that yeah. is great. It's the ultimate compliment. That's mm-hmm. what you want. I mean, your mm-hmm. parents are your first heroes when right. you're a kid. Like you right. don't. What I what I never realized uh, when I up until like I don't know ten years ago was like. Oh, like they say they were kids at one point, but they really were. Right. You start hearing those like kind of sideways tales from yeah. grandparents and yeah. other relatives about yeah. an uncle that might have spent some time somewhere that yeah. might have been incarcerated for a little bit or like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, just some other weirdo in the family that's right done this and that. And you don't know them as that right. character. Right. And you're like, oh, yeah. so everything that I've kind of been through is kind of on par like a lot of people go through a lot of right, stuff, right. but the the accessibility and the um, the discussion around it right. doesn't or hasn't historically always existed. Right, and so yeah. a lot of stuff goes unchecked. There's a lot of stuff that like mm-hmm. just turns into baggage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for me, like it turned into let's figure out how to make all our problems go away. Right, which is super easy if you like to drink a lot. Right. right. Um, which they don't go away. Yeah. You just, you just mask them. You just wait. Yeah. They're, they're just sitting there. It's yeah. like putting a pot on simmer in the back. Right. And, and you're creating a whole nother set of problems on top of that. Oh, yeah. You know, the drinking or yeah. using drugs to escape and stuff. And that comes down to just not having the effective coping skills. We talk about those skill yeah, deficits, yeah. you know, to deal with what you're going through. And I think a lot of times, especially when you grow up in a home that's kind of tumultuous or just kind of chaotic, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to really feel what you feel and you're not taught to express those feelings. You're taught to suppress everything yeah. and walk on eggshells and everything and if will be okay. you go to bed with mm-hmm. all that rattling around your head, yeah. you're never never going to rest right which is only going to compound right. all the issues more right and in abusive homes sometimes you're never validated like mm-hmm. you may know that you're experiencing abuse or you may even tell that you're being abused and people want to you know just shove that away because it's such an ugly thing and yeah. it's so embarrassing and it just taints your family and it you know there, yeah. there's all these ramifications that come from telling the truth and so a lot of times kids are not validated there's, when they come forward with things and it makes you question everything that's mm-hmm. what kind of that's one of the reasons that I'm I'm kind of glad with this new generation of kids coming mm-hmm. up 
They don't care about nothing. No, they they're snitching speak how on they everybody. Feel. Yes, they're taught that. That comes from education. You mm-hmm. know, you've got people in the community now that tell you, like, if you see something, say something. Yeah. That tell you um, what safe boundaries are for your body, so yep. you don't have to wonder if it's abuse. You, you're getting educated in school, like, hey, that's abusive. That's yeah. abusive. That's crossing the line. You deserve to be your body to be respected. In you the know? '80s, that was just normal. Oh gosh, yeah. You yeah. just knew, like. Okay, yeah. I won't go there. And everybody minded their business yeah. you know, in the 80s. And now it's like, no, these kids are going to write you out. And you know what? They don't care because you're responsible for your behavior. They're mm-hmm. not. And they've learned that. They're, they've been empowered to tell. And that's that's beautiful because that's what we want. We want to intervene in that. We want to prevent abuse. But if we can't prevent it, we want to make sure that intervention happens a lot earlier in the game so that you don't go six years being sexually abused with sure. nobody knowing or helping you or six years of being neglected and mm-hmm. beaten and, and those to, yeah. exposed to domestic violence and nobody intervenes because everybody's minding their business yeah, you know there's i mean but yeah kids gonna... now they they're in touch with their feelings they'll tell you exactly how they feel oh, and sure. they're they're empowered to do so and i love that i mean that's how you prevent abuse right. that's right you do it generationally yeah and my daughter was taught at a very young age because of me working in this. So both my son and my daughter were taught about safe boundaries mm-hmm. um, when they were little bitty, like two and three years old, taking a bath. I'd be like, you know, private parts are private, you know, and they would, you know, talk about their bathing suit areas mm-hmm. being private. And so my sister and I were at Walmart and my daughter would just randomly say things. And I remember this lady saying, oh, you've got the prettiest blue eyes. And my daughter looked at her and she was like two years old, but she taught like a grown up. And she said, she said, at my house, we don't say stupid, we don't sh- say shut up, and you do not touch people's privates. Well. And the lady was like, well, all right. You know, and my sister said, why do you tinker that? And I said, well, I'm telling you what, if you were a pedophile, you would know to stay away from this little girl because yeah. she's going to rat you out. Yeah. She knows what her boundaries are, and she is feels perfectly For calm. Sure. And they would sing the song like, stop, don't touch me there. That's my no-no square. And we used to laugh, but we made it like a, a daily, uh, it was conversational. Yeah. And it was, but they were very aware of what their boundaries were and that they deserve to be respected. And that no matter what, if anybody crosses those boundaries, you can tell. And it's always safe to tell. I yeah, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't embarrassing to talk about, you know, yeah. when they were older, because we talked about it from little on up. Yeah. You like to preserve their innocence, but if you don't, you know, educate them, then sometimes they're at risk. Sure. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I mean, you can pull up any documentary mm-hmm. from from kids in the 70s and 80s right. where they're just like little Johnny's going missing. Right. Trying to deliver some newspapers. Right. And, yeah. I mean, it's crazy too. Like in this day and time, there's so many reports about human trafficking. Right. Um, just risky business going on everywhere. Yeah. And such access through the internet. And yeah. Even games these little babies are playing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, there there's people trying to, you know, solicit them through those games. Like yeah. Hello Kitty. And it's just dangerous. So if you're not educating your kids, other sure. people have more access to kids than ever before. And the really scare, scary part is that the people that they're most at risk from mm-hmm. aren't strangers. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. It's so the they're people not that looking you trust. behind them. They're right. looking at whatever they're looking at. Right. And then... Right. There's a lion on their back. Right. Like. So you, exactly. So you have to be, educate your kids and you can make it um, where it doesn't feel like you're, you know, taking away their innocence. For sure. And, but, but it empowers them. That makes sense. Um, I need to just have a, a parenting symposium up here every so often because I'll have, I'll be a dad soon. And so like, that's one of those things where I'm like, let's ask everybody their parenting advice yeah, yeah. and then like throw some in the trash. Cause they're going right. to like spare the rod, spoil right. the child. I'm like, right. yeah, I get that. But also like, what if you 
wear that rod out and then have right. to go get like three more. Right. And one thing somebody told me about that and I thought it was beautiful and I loved it because I teach parenting classes a lot mm-hmm. and, and, and that I'll always hear that scripture. And um, and the lady told me that, um, you know, disciple is to teach and discipline is to teach, you know, and redirect yeah. and that the, the um, shepherds use the rod to guide the sheep, not to beat the sheep. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really profound. I've never really thought about that. Sure. But they were guiding them and teaching yeah. them where to go. And but that's what we really should do to our children is guide them and teach them because there's a saying it says when children don't know how to do math we teach when children don't know how to read we teach but when yeah. children don't know how to regulate their emotions we and it's usually yeah. punish when it needs to be teach them yeah. how to regulate their emotions instead of taking it so personal and reacting to it yeah mm-hmm. they i mean kids are so confused by default yeah because i mean even as adults it's like a I'm, lot to learn <laughs> yeah like you're We're just, still learning yeah you're just like wait what yeah how did i get here from what wait yeah. where was i before this yeah and you're like oh, i'm 25 and i'm still trying to get my emotions in check sometimes like oh for sure learn how to just process things and different ways to think of things and so you can imagine for children yeah it mm-hmm. took me to do it like i gave up drinking for lent a couple years ago mm-hmm. which was a huge mistake <laughs> at the time because like everything came out yeah all that stuff that was in that pot on the back burner right boiled over and i was like huh yeah that's what I've been doing this for. Right. And like, it all made sense at yeah. that point. Like, I was just like, all right, let's clean this closet out. Yeah. See what's in here. Which is scary. Dude, mm-hmm. it sucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it still sucks. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it doesn't suck more than it did. Right. That's right. It sucks a lot less. That's right. Like, you can look at the, you can look at the costumes that the, the lunatics wore when they were doing whatever it was to you. And yeah. you're not triggered by them anymore. Right. You kind of like... Or like, okay, I lived through that. Yeah. That just means I'm stronger than yeah, I was before. Yeah. yeah. You're bouncing back. Yeah. I'm that's what we have. So we have a counseling program and we do free counseling for children and adult survivors of mm-hmm. all forms of child abuse, domestic violence, and sexual assault. And we have about 600 to 700 clients that come through there every year um, for free counseling because um, we don't do like a sliding scale fee. We don't yeah. bill insurance and it's just completely free. And to me, they're the bravest people that walk through our doors because to, to, to really take on healing mm-hmm. through childhood trauma or domestic violence, you have to be willing to walk through some pretty big stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> when I was going through it, I called a buddy of mine. Like our family has always been huge advocates for mental health. Yeah. Um, Good. My mother-in-law being a counselor, mm-hmm. uh, clinical psychologist. Um, and then like she's worked with Dr. Handel. Mm-hmm. Um, I love him. Mm-hmm. She used to work with... Uh, Oh, Dr. Hicks back in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, she, yeah, she is great. So I knew I had somebody to call if right. I, anything was ever going off the rails. Right. And like for a long time, it was, for me, it was super mellow. Like I was, I throttled back on drinking. Everything was kind of going all right. And then I got thrown right into this like same, it was the same taste. You know what I mean? It wasn't nearly the same situation. I just felt helpless and trapped and like something horrendous was about to happen. Right. So my dad had a stroke and I, he lives in New York and I was just mm-hmm. like, I'm just here. Like right. I can't do nothing. Helpless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, do I need to be there? Do mm-hmm. I not need to be there? And then that comes with guilt. And then you're just right. in this like stupid water slide right. of like self. Well, that feeling of helplessness nightmare. probably triggered a lot of that you know, that feeling was familiar to you. Yeah. Um, and and that, like, mm-hmm. that sent me down this rabbit hole of like, well, if I can't 
do anything for the people that I love because right. I'm helpless. Right. Because that's all I was in my head at that point. Right. I was like, well, what's even the point of anything? Yeah. And then that's a slippery slope. Definitely. And then, yeah, like eventually, like I was lashing out at people, like just getting out of hand. Like I'd punch things and self-harm was one of my, mm-hmm. one of my vices as right. I was growing up. And mm-hmm. Dove right back into that. Like I'd never left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. what are we doing? I thought we stopped this. And I ended up having to go. um, I wanted to, and I still like, I had a session this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I ended up going to a counselor and we started EMDR therapy. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like eye movement desensitization rehabilitation, I think is what it stands for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And very great research. Uh, Yeah. It shows that it's highly effective. And it, yeah, basically it just mimics REM sleep. Yeah. Which is when you're supposed to rest and process through your day and get everything compartmentalized or however that works inside your head to where you can make sense of everything. Yeah. And, um, I never did that. Yeah. I never slept from the time. Like I was a kid, even till like now, like my sleep is not ideal. Right. Like I have sleep. Well, trauma puts you in a, you know, a, a hyper, um, sense of arousal all the time yeah. you're always it's basically where you're in that really um, limited part of your brain and it's like survival mode all yeah. the time and so you're always looking for when the other shoe's going to drop and yep. you know it's about pure survival and if i don't get this done now right it'll never get done right and that is such an exhausting state to be in in your mind that's how i work yeah. like i'll go mm-hmm. i've i have to force myself to take lunches because yeah. i won't right like i'll if i have coffee and water right I'll be here till next week yeah. Like I'll settle on in and yeah. it's always one thing after another where it's like, Oh, well you got this done. Well, while you're here or while that's printing, let's go right. start chipping away at this. And before right. long, like that's almost done. And yeah. you're like, well, there's still daylight out. Right. But you don't know if it's today's daylight or yesterday's. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've started doing um, offering for our clients trauma-informed yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much research around how healing yoga is for the body. And because one of the things that we say, even if you can't, um, you know, a lot of times when abuse happens before you can even put things into words, sure. you know, that, that, that trauma, your body holds on to that. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of trauma survivors, um, Dr. Vanderkall will talk about, he wrote a book called The Body Keeps Score, and he talks about how some of his clients could hold something that you would recognize in your hand, like a key or a golf ball Mm -hmm. and you could close your eyes and you could say oh I'm holding a key well a lot of people are so disconnected from their body as a form of survival which is an adaptive survival skill Mm -hmm. so they can't even recognize what they're holding in their hand and just trauma kind of you know brings that out and um, uh, their survival mode is to detach and so when you do yoga it really brings you inside your body and it helps you to regulate and to really learn what it is to just find that state of calm Mm -hmm. you know because you're used to being in that hyper arousal state of survival and the research was just phenomenal with that and so we've we've started implementing that into our practice into what we offer for our our trauma survivors and it's really had great outcome measures and we've started also offering it to providers you know social workers counselors teachers Mm -hmm. they can come for free on tuesday nights at 5 30 at wiregrass church and um, do the trauma-informed yoga because when you um are you know get that vicarious trauma Mm -hmm. you know um it's really important for you to learn how to find that calm you know and and regulate your body you know i've uh there's always been this ongoing joke where like I won't hug people. Yeah. And like Peter Wong was in here a few months ago or yeah, a few months ago and we were talking about how, yeah, like my, my love is like verbal. Yeah. And like I hug 
the closest of close friends. Right. But I'm trying to break myself of that because it's like other people that didn't grow up the way I grew up. Right. I mean, the hugging's I hug normal. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, like kissing on the cheek. Yeah. No way ever. Like I'm just like, what? No, you might as well. That's cheating. Yeah. Like it's. Yeah. I don't understand. Like I have such a weird um, aversion to physical contact. Right. With people that I don't have any business. Right. Having any physical contact with. Yeah. Like it's hard for me to. I don't know. It's just, yeah. It's just there's too much gray area. And because of that, I'm just like, nah, we just yeah. not do that at all. Right, right. I'm not trying yeah. to get accused or, or what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to make somebody feel a certain way. I don't right. want to uh, come off a certain way. Right. And I'm just like, you know what? The hell with all of it. Yeah, it just wasn't comfortable. You know, when, one of the things that's been really difficult for me with COVID, because I am such a um, just loving and mm-hmm. touchy person that it, um, is not hugging people. Yeah. And, but also with just the work that we do, you know, we have a lot of clients who, you know, you teach them to speak for like what what's comfortable for you and what's not. And yeah. people should respect those boundaries. And so, because well, we have a lot of clients that talk about like when they go to family events, everybody wants to hug them. And they're like, I don't really like to be hugged. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're, it's okay for you to say that. It's okay to say like, I don't want a hug. Because sure. people that are very affectionate that way don't always realize that there yeah, are people that that feels really bad for. Yeah. And so you have to just learn those boundaries. And I think COVID has really put that in perspective where people are like, okay, a lot of people don't feel comfortable yeah. being close together right now. It's not safe to do that. And so you oh, stop was, kind of the hugging and that kind of stuff. It was, uh, I've missed it. You know, I was, um, I was very happy for the, uh, solitude to an extent. Yeah. During the pan, during shutdowns and stuff. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like I would not, obviously it was a horrendous and it's still, people are dying from it every day right. now. Right. And so like, obviously I wouldn't, I don't feel comfortable saying like, yeah, like yeah. I was glad everything happened, but yeah. getting able, like being able to just like remove yourself from society mm-hmm. for a little bit, yeah. sort through the ashes of whatever happened years ago and right. make some sense of it and then figure out a way to move forward. Right. And like right. what to do with all that negative energy you used to have, you still have the same energy. It's right. just not necessarily the same brand as it used to be. Right. It's definitely forced us all to slow down and mm-hmm. it's forced us all to, or forced or allowed us all to have really good quality time with the people that we love. Yeah. Which has been good. But it's also distanced us from people that we love because like I know my grandmother, I didn't get to see her a lot this year yeah. because, and when I did, I couldn't hug her and those kinds of things because I'm working every day and so I'm around people every day. Mm-hmm. And so I had to therefore not, not be around certain people yeah. because I didn't want to put them at risk. And so it's definitely, it's, it's brought some people closer together and that it's created more distance in other ways. Ways. But like you said, it's giving you a lot of time to reflect and yeah. be and introspective. I think, I think a lot of people needed that. I yeah. mean, we, when else are you going to get that chance? Yeah, yeah. Like both my kids, my son came home from college and we got some extra time with him yeah. and my daughter and that was nice. We um, we enjoyed that. Yeah, usually you're scouring the calendar yeah. for just like a day or two that you yeah. can hang out with some right. of your favorite people. Right. Like right. this kind of allowed everybody yeah. to, and any, even not only that, but the boredom aspect. Yeah. You were reaching out to fools you hadn't talked to in years, yeah. right? Yeah. Like you might text them every now and again right. or hit them on Facebook for their right. birthday, but yeah. having long conversations and like mm-hmm. digging into like, how's everything going with right. you? And like yeah. really putting some of that effort back into some of the right. relationships that yeah. they all, a lot of them fall by the wayside just because of 
life and how right. busy we get. Right. But you never stop caring about those people. Right. Like those people's impact never fades. Right. right. It's just, you always prioritize the time. One of the things that we did, so last year, this all happened right around April. Mm-hmm. And um, so normally for Child Abuse Prevention Month, we have like some kind of goal that we want to yeah. do, some kind of awareness goal. And so last year we wanted to do something that was really bonding for families. And so we did like a dance challenge. Um with your kids like to yeah. do like a dance on TikTok or whatever it was and, sure. and put that post that video mm-hmm. and put QT time with kids and so one of the things we talked about is like while you're stuck at home with your kids like change your perspective and really think about the bonding things that you can do yeah. because bonding and attachment the more bonded you are with your children and the more quality time you spend together the more nurturing you feel towards them mm-hmm. and protective you feel towards them and so that's one of the protective factors that we really tried to push last time and we talked about having game night and family dinners and you have the time now you're not running to ball games you're not you know, picking kids yeah. up and draw, shuffling Everything's around. a little more casual. It's a little more casual. So take that time to cook the family meal, mm-hmm. sit down and have a talk, you know, at dinner time, play a board game, you know, go on a walk as a family just to yeah. get outside, you know, do those things that we all used to do all the time, but that people have really gotten away from because we're so rushed. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's not really quality time with your kid. Like it's great if you go and watch their games, you should be there and watch their Absolutely. games and support them. But you're in the stands and they're on the field. Yeah, it's not connecting you're, you're with not each other. You're not connecting and having a conversation. You're being supportive and they appreciate that but just like really getting to know like what are they thinking Mm -hmm. what's going through their minds what you know what are they feeling all those just good conversations that would surprise you when you really sit down and start to ask your kids open-ended questions and engage with them and then learning like those dances it's funny you're laughing the whole time especially when you're old and they're young because they're breaking it down and you're like literally just trying to figure out what they're doing and you're mm-hmm. like 10 steps behind every time and they it, it's funny you're laughing at yourself mm-hmm. and, it, and it's good bonding time so yeah i think i feel like a lot of parents don't engage in that manner because they think it's going to embarrass them somehow right right and like if you can't cut loose with your kids and right. like you're just old stuffy rascal yeah you know what I mean? like, and, it, and you know the fun thing about cutting loose with your kids is it embarrasses them yeah and that is one of the most Biggest gifts of being a parent. Yeah. Yeah, Like if you can embarrass your children, you know, that's the dream. Yeah. I mean, I live for those moments. I I love those moments. You know, I can't sing or dance. I do that regularly Sure, in front of my children and their friends, you know, that's amazing. (laughs) I'm trying to be a part of that family. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things where like for me, I never really wanted to have a family of my own. Like Mm -hmm. I was just so like kind of, I was like, well, it wasn't rad for me. Right. I don't want to roll the dice for somebody else. Right. And eventually I was like, once, once I had gone through a lot of unpacking and like reconfiguring of ideas, I was like, well, if there's like, I looked at how I felt about my nephew, mm-hmm. which he's super rad and like, yeah. I love him to death. Yeah. Um, but like until, and it's weird, like I don't, I don't love easily. Right. You know what I mean? But like with him, he just showed up and was like, oh. It's a natural That's what that is. Mm -hmm. And like realize like, oh, if I can create that for myself, instead of looking for it and other people that are going to disappoint you anyway. Right. um, And I have like a perfect wife. So I'm just like, let's do this. Yeah. See what's up. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're expecting our first. Yay on july 13th so. that's exciting i was gonna ask you when you said you're gonna be a father soon because um, yeah, yeah. i know last time i was here you talked about you know wanting to be a father and yeah I and it's been a long road like, and you, that y'all were talking about it and so yeah. that's wonderful it's i'm been happy a, for you a, a very long and like bizarre road like yeah. with me like i know ne- because of how i look at the world 
I never want to be a burden on anybody. Yeah. And so I never wanted to, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't allow myself to even entertain the idea of because like, oh, that involves not just you. Right. And you might let them down or they might let you down. And I don't know if you can go through that again or, you know, but then look at what an amazing husband you are. I love the way you talk about your wife. I think that's beautiful. That's the way every husband should talk about their wife. Yeah. Homie for sure. And so, you know, obviously you have a huge capacity to love somebody and to really see the best in them and embrace that. You know, so I think that's, that's the foundation for being a great father as well. We've been together Mm -hmm. for doggone almost 12 years. Yeah. Wow. And we've been married for, I don't know, four or five yeah so yeah i mean yeah it's one of those things where like i knew i knew the type of person that i should settle down with right but i didn't know like where that person existed right and then i was like oh that's this one yeah that i've known my entire life (laughs) that's crazy yeah so y'all are expecting your first baby in july Mm -hmm. so we have a baby whisperer program so we'll have to make sure our baby whisperer i know i saw where she was she had just gotten back in the office back in the hospital so we're excited about that yeah so um because for because of covid we couldn't go in for a while and so we were partnering with the hope center they were sweet enough to let us come in there and do the baby whisperer program with their clients um love it when nonprofits um collaborate and work together yeah because that's what we're all here to do is to make this a better um environment for for all the children and families and community members and so we can be a strong community and so they were really gracious to let us come in and work with their clients um, so we could get that contact before Mm -hmm. they had their babies but it's a great program and we go over with every new parent our social worker goes in the hospital room and meets with them and they go over the five S's, Dr. Harvey Karp's five S's on how to calm a crying baby. Okay. And it talks about, uh, we get the dads and we teach them how to swaddle the baby and different tricks and tips to get them to sleep and to not cry and to feel, you know, safe and, and mm-hmm. th- those kinds of things. And we talk about the science behind that. But then we also talk about what um, a lot of parents don't think about, which is the brain development. Yeah. You know, when you think about um, a child's brain, a lot of people think when they're little, they, we talked about them not noticing things. Well, 80% of their brains develop by the time they're two years old. So you were laying that foundation from the very first day yeah. that they come into the world. And so you want to be on your A game. You know, you want to make sure that you are doing everything you can that's going to enable them to reach their fullest potential. And For so we sure. talk to parents about thinking, parenting with purpose. Mm-hmm. And we talk about postpartum depression and we have a little checklist. We talk about, um, you know, that it's normal and it's a hormonal thing. It's not whether you're a good or bad mom. Yeah. If you experience postpartum depression, talk about it. Ask for help. Mm-hmm. You know, reach out because it can be help. You know, you can get help and you can get support through that so that you don't miss out on those really important yeah you don't want to be in your head while yeah. something exciting is yeah. going on and yeah. then that like because the, they will notice, like your children yeah. will notice that oh yeah it affects them but but also it's just so sad when you look back on that you're like man i wish i'd known I to missed ask out for on help all that. and i just, missed out on all that bonding time and and then you feel guilt because you have that parent guilt and so yeah. that program is beautiful and i love it because you know when you're a new parent like when you're expecting i'm sure you've experienced this people are always like everything is rainbows and butterflies and so we really talk about the nitty-gritty of being a parent like there's gonna be times when you're exhausted there's gonna be times when you look at your beautiful innocent newborn baby and you mm. think oh my gosh you will not stop crying what yeah. you know like you're almost mad at them you know it's like i just want to sleep and that's a normal feeling and uh, that it's okay for your baby to cry some and you just to take a breath and mm. take a moment because the more calm you are the more calm they'll be and to ask for help nobody parents in a bubble you know sure. so we kind of normalize all that and then we say how babies should come with instructions well in dothan alabama they do come with instructions we have a little instruction manual it's got our personal cell phone numbers Mm -hmm. in it so if you ever are struggling or um, having a hard time getting the baby to calm or just frustrated you can call us and then if you don't have anybody else because some people don't have anybody else yeah Mm -hmm. i mean with fort rucker being here too like there's so many transplants here that like yes Uh what you guys are doing is 
yeah. the Lord's work, if, yeah. if nothing else. And you know it's what I mean? so lonely like, feeling when you don't have anybody. You know, I mean, I've never been in a position, and I don't know about you, but I have never been in a situation in life where I don't have somebody that I can call. Yeah. That will be there for me. Oh, sure. And we have clients that we run into the hospital, they have their baby, and there is literally not one person that comes to celebrate the birth of their baby with them. Yeah. They have nobody to call to drive them home. They have nobody. Ooh. I mean... Can you imagine how lonely that feels? I mean, part of the joy of bringing a baby into the world is just like everybody celebrating that life together and just knowing you have a network of people that you can depend on. Yeah, I've somehow got desensitized to like the the friends showing up yeah. situation. Like yeah. when, I don't know, like I graduated from like this business school program in Montgomery and like everybody's family was there but mine. And I was just like, yeah. oh, I do want them to be a part of yeah. things. And it's mm-hmm. kind of weird looking back. Like yeah. you don't realize how much of an impact your parents have, whether positive or negative. Yeah. Just that you have somebody yeah. there in your corner. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like for for moms to be giving birth to kids with no, like mm-hmm. nobody in their corner is kind of. Yeah, nothing. I mean, nobody call and said we put our cell phone numbers in there, and we're yeah. like, you know what? Call us if you can. Sure. If you feel like you're alone in this, you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always somebody here to help, and this is my name, and this is my number, mm-hmm. and call me, and I mean it, you know. And and so sometimes they call, and it's just you know, talk, I had a client one time that told me that you know when she graduated high school, she had grown up in horrible abuse, a lot of um, every form of abuse and neglect, and mm-hmm. she graduated high school, maintained a job, and she said she walked across the stage, and when she got off the stage she had hidden her suitcase behind the building and she got it and she left town and she never looked back mm-hmm. because her family was so abusive mm-hmm. and she was able to escape that and she said and I looked back and everybody else was taking pictures with their family and getting all these hugs and all these accolades and you know when my son graduated high school I remembered that moment of her telling me that and mm-hmm. I thought you know here my son is with so many people we didn't have enough tickets yeah. to come watch him graduate like my sister my parents my husband's parents you know meanwhile her yeah. they she probably yeah. wasn't even noticed that she was right. out of the house and, and 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 my son's being celebrated in amazing ways and and I looked at him and I saw him hugging everybody and I'm taking pictures and I just took a moment and I thought you know here he is and he should graduate high school he has no reason not to graduate high school he mm-hmm. has got every support in the world if he yeah. needed a tutor he got a tutor he had a loving mom and dad helping him with homework you know making sure he prioritized school mm-hmm. and he knew how important education was he had a calm loving nurturing home environment I mean just so he could concentrate and study and this girl had just pure hell at home yeah. every day. She didn't know if she was going to live or die. She was, you know, couldn't sleep at night. She was being sexually abused mm-hmm. and never knew what night it was going to happen. And she just, this, these dark, dark things happened in her world. Yet she got up every day and went to school and graduated high school. Yeah. She overcame so many barriers, you know, and, and it was like, yet nobody celebrated her. And that to me was just heartbreaking when I just kind of sat there and just took that in yeah. for a moment. And and that happens every day to Probably more Countless kids than people, we would yeah. even want to imagine. For sure. Like, I don't want to imagine any of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? like, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know? Yet they go unnoticed. And that's why it's just so important, I think, for that trauma-informed care to have a, a school environment that's trauma-informed so that we, these kids don't slip through the cracks. This girl yeah. lived abuse her entire life and not one person Nobody ever noticed. questioned it. She had marks all over her body. Nobody ever said a word. And she went her whole life out. There was no intervention. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking because we've got to pay attention. We've got to be looking for those signs and, you know, making a report, even if it's going to make somebody mad, yeah. you know, because that's our job. We're, we're, we're the advocates for the children. We're the voice when they don't have a voice. We're the ones that are supposed to speak up, whether it's your job to do it or not, you know, yeah. that's <laughs> just a, as a human. You with know? me, there's always like, 
always look at everything in the past as kind of like a silver lining slash like, I don't know, almost like, oh, you graduated through that. Like you did that and now you don't have to. Like that's over forever. Mm -hmm. Now take take those demons and tie a rope to them and let them pull you instead of push you around. Right. Yeah, you absolutely have to figure out how you can, um, you know, start that healing process. Yeah. Because if you don't, then it's going to be something that, you know, already, even if you have the best treatment in the world, like Mm -hmm. say you work really hard for healing, there's always going to be your entire life, things that trigger you or things that memories that pop up. It's like, you know, PTSD, literally, Mm -hmm. like you think you've got it under control and then all of a sudden something happens and like you said, you feel helpless or something that triggers that. It's that, you could be, it could be a smell. Yeah. It could be the flavor of something. A song that comes on TV, the way somebody's voice sounds you know the way somebody yeah. hugs you unexpectedly anything can trigger that and so that's why I think we're so passionate at our center about prevention is because we hear those stories and we know that no matter how amazing our counseling services are and and, and our, all of our clinicians are specifically trained in trauma this is their their specialty this is what we do yeah um, and we we use the most up-to-date research-based you know um, interventions and everything we can but mm-hmm. no matter what we do it's never going to take away those memories and they're going to always have to fight those triggers you know Oof. that come up and and so if we can prevent abuse and we Mm -hmm. can trigger earlier intervention so there's less memories and ghosts yeah there aren't as many triggers yeah yeah then that's what we want to do that's that's the dream and that's what this month is about is about awareness and it's about really calling on the entire community to get involved in the prevention of child abuse and that and and sometimes that means just offering a mom Mm -hmm. a, a listening ear you know sometimes that means just offering to help somebody who you think is stressed and overwhelmed and to be that community and that network of support. And sometimes it's reporting things that you see where there's concern so you can trigger intervention. It's Mm -hmm. such a good, I mean, there's never been a better time to kind of get involved as far as preventing uh, child abuse. But when I was a kid, there was that, uh, that long joke where the boss yells at the dad, the dad comes home and yells at the yes. mom, and then like the end of it, like the cat eats the goldfish or something. Right? Yeah. And like that energy all goes somewhere. It does. Whether and wherever it originated, right? Who knows? Right. Uh, but and it's gonna go. It's gonna leave you soon. Right. And go to the next whatever. Right. But like everybody goes through adversity right at some point right and some adversity is actually good for you for sure so, you know some stress it, it makes you stronger it motivates change it, yeah. it, it just um it builds those things within you that you need built so that you can survive the world because the world's not a cushy place you no, know you got to so, rotate your plants that's right but you can't constantly be under um stress you no. can have that toxic stress where there's like you're always just waiting you know to for the worst to happen. Yeah. That, that's terrible for your body and it's terrible for your um, growth and development. That was one of the things like growing up, I would have a bunch of rage and a yeah. whole bunch of anger. Yeah. And it just turned into like, let's take this awful grossness and turn it into something that you enjoy. So yeah. like skateboarding was a natural like kind of attraction because mm-hmm. it was like, not only did I find, did I already look like those dudes from being in alternative school yeah. anyway, um, and weren't like listening to the same music and stuff, but like, it was just, everybody was, everybody was running from something kind of, right. right. and you didn't realize that yeah. because you were just like, how come these dudes are just behind this yeah. gas station? Yeah. Breaking bottles and riding skateboards. You're not going to talk about it with each other because you're trying to escape it. You're trying no. to just pretend it's not happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like, mm-hmm. over the years, I've kind of let some of my friends know, like, the exact, like, all the, the craziness that I've been through. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
none of them had any idea because yeah. none of us, none of us were there right. to let it out right. in that manner. Like right. we were there to like get some energy out for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And yeah, like just pour it into art, pour it into athletics or yeah. just anything. That's the beautiful thing about the arts and athletics being in our school systems and mm-hmm. why they're so important is because for a lot of kids that are in trauma, that is their escape. You've you know? got to have something to yeah. put that energy into or it, it's, and it's not one of those things where like, if you don't play this, then you're going to be right. addicted to this. Like it's, right. there's never like a cut right. and dry way to Right, exactly. It. But it's a great opportunity Absolutely. to kind of process through that and just have that escape and find something to pour yourself into. And it's even more beautiful when you have a coach or, you know, a, a leader yeah. in, that, that really sees um, that you need them to pour into you. Yeah. That really helps a lot too. It's- that's that one caring adult component that can really change your trajectory, you know, forever. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to hang on to those people. Yes, definitely. Because they are the best. Yes. Um, what, uh, you guys are in the middle of fundraising, huh? We are. Yeah. Great time to be raising money. I was going to say, no, yeah. <laughs> it's not April. This is not an April Fool's joke, by the way. <laughs> We're really trying to raise some money. Yeah, really. Um, what do you got going on? What? So we are doing our annual superhero 5K run to prevent mm-hmm. child abuse. And um, it has a one-mile fun run. Yep. It was the way that I could come up with that we could have a a very um, light way to raise awareness to a very serious cause. Sure. You know, because when you talk about child abuse, people's faces glaze over. They stop making eye contact and they try to avoid you at all costs. Yeah. Because it's, it's deep and, it, and it's... It's horrible to think that this yeah. happens in our communities, but the fact is that it does. I told you earlier how many counseling clients we have a year, you know, who are survivors of abuse. And that's mm. that's in our area. Yeah, you that's know. Two, two people a day. Yes. And our um, statistics, like our, our in- referrals went up 48% this year. 48% Yikes. this year. That's a pretty big jump. If my yeah. stock portfolio went up 48%, yes. yeah. I'd be ecstatic. I would be asking you for money 100%. right now instead of everybody. <laughs> yeah. would, I'd be like, hey, Justin, you had a 48% right? increase. You're going to have to hook me up. Well, but. it was only 50 cents, but. <laughs> but it's just, it, so, so we are um, just trying to bring families together and encouraging people to come up and be a community of superheroes for yeah. kids. And I'm going to tell you, just the presence of having that many people gather for the prevention of child abuse, it's a powerful, uh, a powerful thing to survive. All mm-hmm. sorts of different people too. It's yes. not just parents. It's no. not. Mm-mm. It's it's people on all sides of fences. Yes. Mm-hmm. All walks of life. Yes. And and we have people there that are sponsoring the event, and yeah. then we have kids there who are in the foster care system mm-hmm. because we have people donate their registrations to foster care children. Oh, awesome. And so they're able to come out to the event. And they're foster care parents. So we have people there that are on the front lines, you know, fighting against abuse, like foster care parents who are providing safe homes for these kids, mm-hmm. and um, we have kids who have been victims, and we have adults who have been survivors and statistically I mean one in every four girls and one in every six boys has been abused before yeah. they're 18 years old you know so statistically there's a lot of survivors out say. there um, gathering around and maybe that's what motivates them to come but either way um, to me there's no more beautiful way to um, to really sh- take a stand against child abuse than to come together as a community from children to adults, families to people, you know, who are just business owners in the community, yeah. single people, whoever you are, this is a great way to come together and really um, just make a showing of, of, 
effort for taking a stand against child abuse. You can run, you can walk, you can register and sleep in, you know, if that's what you want to do, um, get that t-shirt that says, I'm a superhero for kids. Black Panthers are superhero this year. Mm-hmm. Mike Smith's Automotive Group is our um, title sponsor this year. Oh, and awesome. and I was joking about the fundraising because let me tell you, I have been blown away with the generosity of people in this community um, and how they have sponsored this event. Yeah. You know, um, I literally just met Melinda Sykes. She owns Wax in the City. Oh, yeah. And she's I great. said, yeah, she's wonderful. And I said, um, hey, I'm going to send you over just some sponsorship levels. And mm-hmm. she's like, hey, you know what? I'll do it. Didn't hesitate. And, you know, um, at the highest level of sponsorship, just amazing how people have really seen the need because they know that uh, they can imagine that abuse has increased through this pandemic and they can see the need. Whereas I think used to, before the pandemic, people could easily ignore abuse and neglect and and pretend it wasn't happening. And now it's kind of in your face because it's in every paper you pick up social media you don't have to scroll far before no. you see this horrible case that comes up on your feed changed out org e- emails yeah. me like three times a day that's for right positions and- that's right so so i think i love the way that people in this community um businesses in our community but also just um realtors we send out a thing for realtors like mm-hmm. don't you want to create safe homes yeah. you know and and we had like six responses in an hour saying that you know cobble banker and um you know come st- stepping stepping up and just saying you know um We'll we'll do it. We want yeah. to make safe home for homes for kids. Absolutely. So whether it's restaurant owners or you know um, salons or car dealerships or whatever, everybody's just kind of coming together. The mayor, you know, um, mm-hmm. Saliba, you know, everybody's just kind of coming together to be a superhero for kids. And I love that. It's a great way to get involved. And and this funds all of our prevention programs because you can find money and grants and people sure. write into their budgets for intervention mm-hmm. because it's crisis driven work. Yeah. But to get um, to get investment in prevention is really, really hard. Yeah. And and that's what this money funds. It's a community that's saying, hey, we want to prevent children from being yeah. abused. We want to have strong families in our community. And mm-hmm. that's important um, in every aspect, every facet of our community. It's important to have um, safe homes and strong families. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's what makes a community. Yeah, that's right. Like, nobody mm-hmm. wants, like, if I knew that there was one town in America that was just uh, the capital of abuse. Right. Probably not going to go. Right. And I'm definitely not going to settle down there. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, the safer we can make our homes. I mean, that's, everybody doesn't necessarily understand all the time how, how close we all are. Right. Like there's a reason that like you and I are alive at the same time. Right. And right. I really find like, I'm not a super spiritual person necessarily, right. but I do like understand that like sometimes you are provided the antidote for whatever you're suffering from. Right. Right. And for a lot of kids, like you guys are the antidote, especially for a lot of unborn kids. Right. And that's, that's the dream. That's the mission is to, I mean, kill it with kindness, right? Right, right. To prevent it before it happens. Yeah. And that and and I think that's why funding for this is so hard. Is how do you ever prove that you prevented abuse? Yeah. And you know we can see that, but I can't put that into numbers a for bar you. Graph yeah. Or but whatever, but yeah. what I can show you is like with with healing from trauma. Like I can tell you, our clients a lot of times show up and they can barely make eye contact and they have no confidence and they're struggling in every facet of their life. Yep. And then it doesn't take long before they're making eye contact mm-hmm. and they're smiling and they're laughing and they're telling you these amazing things are starting to happen in their lives and how it's transforming them as a parent, as a wife or a husband. And, and those are the things you can't put, um, 
how do how do you how do you correlate that to other yeah. people? How do you, it's something you have to see and you have to feel mm-hmm. to be a part of. But our impact is immeasurable yeah. and, and it's profound. And I'm very blessed to be a part of it. And I feel like it's a mission for me to work at the Exchange Center and to be able to do the wonderful work that we do. I am so grateful that we have such a supportive community that enables us to do that work. For sure. We had United Way just surprise us the other day with a $13,000 check. Oh, Walter Hill with yes. a checkbook. Yes, Boy. I was so excited. Yeah. And we got level funded again for United Way. We didn't get mm-hmm. any cuts. We were so excited about That's that. That's incredible. Our grantors, you know, we have a grant through the Children's Trust Fund mm-hmm. and through ADECA um, with VOCA for Victims of Crime and um, through the Regional Alliance of Children through DYS. And, and none of our grants were cut during this year. That's they awesome. they have worked with us to make sure um, that we have been able to provide for, um, for for children and families. And that's yeah. important. And so the, that makes me feel good because for a long time that I've done this job, we haven't had that support. We haven't been well known in the community, even though we've been doing tremendous work yeah. and we're starting to get our name out there and people are starting to see the value in what we do and and understand that having this resource in our community is amazing it's huge yeah yeah so that's a i mean i'm always proud to say you're my friend well thank you you know what i mean like that's mutual it's uh people don't nobody knows what everybody else has been through right right and so like I'm kind of just like a cartoon character for the most part. Like I don't, I rarely get into anything serious with people right. that I'm not comfortable with. Right. And like two years ago, this podcast would not have happened in the same manner. I'd be like, right. Hey, what do you, Oh, you want to run? Let's yeah. talk about superhero capes. Yeah. And there would have been no like, well, this is important because of that. Or right. this, this is my experience with whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with like being able to know that there are people in your corner Yeah. that, recognize like and respect everything that you've gone through and people don't understand like how important that is to the individual right and Mm -hmm. yeah dude like i'm always always going to be here for you guys if you need anything and thank you very much whatever we can do to help you guys and being a dad dude yeah right man that's going to change everything for you yeah i mean you're going to look at that sweet little innocent baby and you're going to think man i'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you are always safe and loved and nurtured i'm already like that like i it's just going to blow your mind the love that's going to like i know you're feeling it now but mm -hmm. man when y'all when you lay eyes on that baby and you just like you and your wife it's it's going to blow your mind there's nothing in the world like it i'm worried i'm just going to quit working all together just hang out with her just like literally look at the baby it's crazy they don't even do anything and you just find yourself just staring at them yeah yeah I mean, I've got a beautiful, yeah. beautiful pit bull yeah. at the house. Yeah. And I'm bad about doing that with her. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's literally doing nothing but sleeping. Yeah. This can be next level. Yeah. Yeah. Might have to get some goggles, <laughs> some aversion goggles. And you're going to be impressed with every little thing. Like, did you see him blink? Dude, did I you know. And that's so annoying too. Like, that's my least favorite thing about <laughs> social media is like, little Joey yeah. didn't pee on his shoes today. Yeah. I'm like, that's not an accomplishment. Right, right. What are we doing? Yeah, that's going to be you in Let's, a year. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be celebrating <laughs> the most mediocre of yes, tasks. Like, that's right. Put her first fork back in the drawer. That's right. Popping that's bottles right. tonight. That's right. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, if there's anything else we can do to help you get the word out, you know, yeah. we're always here. Um, Thank you. Anytime you want to come talk some nonsense or okay. not nonsense like today. <laughs> okay. Um, well, uh, yeah, just hit me up. I'm always around. Well, thank you. I appreciate this. Thank I've, you for helping me raise awareness. No problem. Today's the day. Yep. <laughs> thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to be a guest on the Wiregrass Local podcast, give us a shout at wiregrasslocal at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Wiregrass Local or hit us up on Friendster, MySpace, or LiveJournal. That's all fake, but you know what I mean.